There we go. All right. So I wanted to extend a welcome to AC, who's joining me for this episode of uh, Bookworm Games on, on Xenogears for my first conversation episode. So AC, welcome. Thank you very much. Hey, and thank you for your time. Um, I, I found out about your work uh, sort of searching around for research materials on Xenogears, which uh, one of the first things that I came across, I think, is your study guide page. Um, and I have found it really helpful, really interesting. Uh, I haven't read any everything on there, that is. Um, I've tried to read all the Xenogears material, but I haven't got into all the Xenosaga stuff yet. Um, but I, I'm just kind of in awe of uh, how much information you've brought together on there. So thank you very much for all your work on that. Um, yeah, I, I did have a lot of help. Um, oh. For sure. You know, with translators and other people who, who discovered, uh, you know, old uh, interviews and things that uh, I, I had no idea existed. So, yeah, well, it's it's an amazing project. I would love to hear a little bit about how you got interested in Xenogears, the game, and then how you got uh, going on this study guide project. What what you kind of um, first might have uh, like what first interested you, what first made you want to do it, and, and kind of where it went from there? Well, uh, okay, so uh, I began playing Xenogears in uh, the beginning of uh, 1999. It was actually through the, it was a demo that came with Parasite Eve. Oh, yeah. So I, so I played that uh, game uh, at the end of um, 1998, and then I, I was actually waiting for um, Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> I, I had just gotten into uh, Square RPGs with Final Fantasy VII. You know, there, there was this, uh, you know, phenomenon back then. Uh, everyone was playing Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even people who had not been into these uh, Japanese RPGs before. So, uh, you know, I came on board with that whole um, mm. well, that's, way of... Uh, yeah, that is sort of a different generation for me. I, like, started playing video games as a little kid um, with Final Fantasy. It was called Final Fantasy II, but it was really, um, you know, Final Fantasy IV, I think, in Japan, and, uh, and Final Fantasy III, which was really six. So yeah. I, I was, like... You know, that for me is like what I think of with Final Fantasy. And 7 I loved, you know, but uh, everything after that I, I kind of fallen off. I, I definitely... <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't get further than Final Fantasy 8, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but, also, uh, you know, we, I, I, I'm in Europe and we didn't have uh, those Final Fantasy games. Oh, man. The, uh, we, we had none of that. I think Final Fantasy 7 was the first one to be released in PAL regions. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I, I know you're aware of this, right? Xenogears was originally planned as a as a Final Fantasy title, and then they uh, yeah they they ended up making it its own separate well series, and now a separate company as a as a result. Um, but so yeah, so how did you get into Xenogears once the um, once the demo finished? Like, how far did the demo go, well, and then where'd you go from there? I needed something to sort of time me over until uh, Final Fantasy VIII. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> but actually, Xenogears kind of uh, uh, grabbed my interest more. Mm. 
uh, once I actually got uh, through the game. Uh, it had a, it, it, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just, you know, I liked the music was the first thing that stand, stood out in the, in the demo. Uh -huh. So I thought, so I, I think I actually bought the soundtrack along with the, with the game because yeah. the game had to be imported from uh, the States and uh, th that shop online shop i think it was it also had you know imports of of uh, video game soundtracks so i think i ordered uh, the soundtracks for xenogate also i had read a little bit about it and so i knew that it had uh, you know some religious themes yeah which i thought sounded uh, interesting but uh, i i didn't really you know i didn't think that much of it i just uh, thought it might be, you know, another uh, fun uh, square game because, uh, you know, uh, Parasite Eve had also turned out to be pretty, a pretty good game. So I figured, you know, this company, uh, I'm sure they, they, they probably can do nothing wrong, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never played Parasite Eve, but I mean, just in the title itself, you, you've got that, that uh, idea of well, Adam and Eve sort of built in. Um, it's it seems like there's a, a theme going on here. Uh, yeah, well, Parasite Eve is is, um, is based on this uh, on mitochondrial Eve, which is a scientific um, term for the the origin of our mitochondrial DNA. Oh. So it uh, so that's where that comes from, uh, and of course the, the this concept comes from the Bible, of course, with Eve. Yeah, yeah. Also, again, like I'm curious about the the demo version that you played. Did it include that whole um, opening, you know, cinematic? Yeah, it did. It did. But oh, okay. I, I think that it was cut slightly. I'm not sure, but I think there was some small part missing. Okay. I'm not sure, but the the things that was that was the main difference between the demo and the the game was that you could play as uh, Ellie and Bart on the way to the to to Seton's house. Oh wow, that's so and, strange. And so they had this sort of a new dialogue exclusive to the to the demo, <laughs> where they sort of poked fun at, well, you're not supposed to show up this early, and they say, well, <laughs> calm down, it's just a de demo or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Uh, and then and they had all their death blows unlocked. Oh wow! And so that was also one of the reasons I felt like yeah, that I became interested in the game because I thought, well, these are pretty cool, you know. Absolutely. And I didn't know that once I actually got the game, I had to unlock them. <laughs> and I was a bit intimidated by, by the robots or the okay. gears. It's, it, it looked kind of complicated. And I thought, oh, wow, wow, we're going to pilot these machines. You know, I, I thought it was going to be very difficult, but it turned out to be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I, the gears... Uh... They're such a strange um, component of the game, and I guess that's sort of implied in the in the title itself, right? The Xeno gears, like the foreign, the strange uh, gears, they they sort of interrupt what looks like a, a more traditional kind of story um, and fly in, and then you know the rest of the game is a process of sort of understanding 
what this thing is that, <laughs> that has ruined yeah, your life. I, I, I remember one impression that I got from the from the game, at least in the early parts, was that it, it didn't feel um, Japanese in the same way that yeah. <clears throat> Final Fantasy VII did, for example. You know, I, I remember looking at, for example, this um, character... Um, the designs of the when the text the dialogue yeah these these images of the characters and i remember that Sitan. he yeah. looked sort of like yeah, he looked uh, almost western in in the sort of in the whole concept uh, it it felt like it it resembled sort of uh, movies or stories that uh, yeah, it just gave me a sort of a, a Western impression, except with the gears. They felt, you know, they were like these Japanese mechs that sort of uh, absolutely uh, made the whole thing feel a little bit uh, like a like a unique blend in some way. At least I had never really encountered anything that really. Had the same feel, the same. Uh... Yeah. Well, I mean that that seems to be the case with the music too. Like you mentioned, it's very striking. Um, it's very different from Final Fantasy music or most other video game music. It it has a kind of a Celtic element to it that yeah blend, yeah exactly that is very distinctive. Uh, it's a weird and unique blend. I think that's a good way to describe a lot. Yeah, and of all their the religious concepts are also very yeah. sort of Western influenced. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, yeah. Th- there's not Buddhism in this game exactly, even though they have re- reincarnation and uh, that stuff. But the reincarnation seems to be more inspired by. Um, by uh, esoteric uh, Christianity and Gnosticism <laughs> and that sort of stuff more than Buddhism, for example. Right. Yeah. Well, so how how did you get like into the the whole study of the game? Like, where where did that uh, begin? Was it with the religious element and and some of that stuff, or no? It, it came. It uh, it had to do with. Um, it was after Sino Saga. Oh, okay. There had been. Um, I don't know. I guess it had to do with the age of the game Xenogears 2. But um, th- there was all these websites disappearing. And there was especially one big one that was called Xenosaga.com, which was sort of the, the hardcore fan base that had been building up since Xenogears. And uh, the webmaster of that site got, got uh, really disillusioned after... Um, Sino Saga episode 2, which was sort of a disappointment to many people because it was much shorter and had completely changed the design and uh, a lot of other stuff. So, mm. you know, Sino Saga had, you know, started to build its own separate fan base. But this old uh, fan base was more um, knowledgeable and it had, uh, you know, collected more interviews and uh, had been there since before the start and you know it's unavoidable that you have much more knowledgeable people in those kind of communities yeah than you have by those who became fans of Sin Saga after the game was released 
Yeah, well, like I never, I think I never played Xenosaga 2. I only played the first episode of Xenosaga, and it was already so different from Xenogears that I, I kind of lost interest in. in yeah, that, that, there was that games. too. There was that too. There were, there were, there were a lot of Xenogears fans who, who didn't get into Xenosaga at all. And I, I actually, it, it was a slow start for me as well. Yeah. Um, and I actually, yeah, I was kind of. Um, I did not quite enjoy Xenosaga as much as Xenogears, but I think after episode three, which was actually pretty good, uh-huh. and was the most, I think it was the most similar to Xenogears in some ways. Um, it it sort of cha- changed my perception on uh, on both Xenosaga and Xenogears. Oh wow! But it's a very complicated. Um, story <laughs> well we don't have to go all the way into that exactly but so so this was when you sort of felt like it was up to you to create a, a website that would sort yeah of i was discussing with people uh, on the internet on forums and uh, i noticed that um, i had to i often had to i i i, I uh, quoted a lot of uh, interviews that i still had saved on my hard drive Ah, okay. And um, uh, that was okay, you know, if someone had questions or uh, yeah, I was, you know, one of the experts mm-hmm. that had uh, uh, a lot of knowledge about the series, not just about the game itself, but about uh, developer quotes and things like that. But there were some interviews that even I had not been able to save because I didn't know that uh, a lot of this stuff was going to disappear you know sure. with the internet you you might assume that you know everything is forever on the internet but my experience was that actually nothing is is not at all <laughs> uh, right. forever on the internet things can disappear you know when sites disappear when uh, hosting sites uh, disappear and take all this information and other websites with them there's not a lot left and um, there were some interviews, especially all the interviews that mentioned, that outright explicit, ex- explicitly mm-hmm. mentioned that Xenogears uh, was at one, one point intended to be part of the Chrono Trigger series. Yeah. Had been lost. And so, you know, I enc- encountered people on these forums who, who didn't believe that anymore. And they said, that's just a rumor. And you know, where is this evidence? And, you know, I, I had seen the interviews, but, uh, you know, I could not, you know, prove it. Sure. But, but of course, now I have been able to resurrect some of those interviews. I, perhaps not exactly those interviews, but at least uh, a few new ones that um, some friends of mine uh, found yeah. on Japanese sites. You know, there was stuff that had, uh, that still remained on Japanese site, but... Uh, we didn't have, uh, you know, a, a translator for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of uh, difficult to find, and we also didn't have the complete translation of this uh, source book, the Xenogears Perfect Works. Right. You're familiar with that book. I have looked at it a little bit. I have not read the the scanlation, uh, the full thing that I've seen up. I, I don't know how reliable it is either, but I'm interested in it. I mean. Yeah, uh, I, 
I don't know enough about Japanese language and culture in general, I feel like. Um, so I, I definitely um, sympathize with what you're saying. Uh, but it is, you know, it's helpful that at least a good deal of, of this information is preserved uh, through your website and through the people that you you know from those days of um, the Xenosaga fan site. Um, yeah. It's really this was around. It was the, uh, around the beginning of 2009. Okay. And the first, the first version went up in 2010. And then uh, back then it was an actual site, and I had never done uh, a site before. I mean, I had tried a long time ago, but you know, I was not really a web designer. Sure. I, I took the most simplest uh, tem template I could uh, find. And I had a host with uh, some of these people who had a forum that was sort of the leftovers, those who had migrated and uh, gathered uh, at, the, at the new place after the old big website and community disappeared. Yeah. So I hang, hang around uh, with those guys for a while. And, um, but then uh, that host disappeared as well. And so the first version of the study guy went, went down. And then I resurrected it on this blog because um, yeah, it seemed I wanted to have more control. You know, I, I didn't want to rely on a host. Sure. Because whenever there were some uh, some problems, I had to you know wait for uh, for those people to uh, assist. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think Blogspot. You know, it's uh, part of Google, so it seems like pretty safe, at least. Uh, from what I can tell, um, it's the same thing that I use for my blog. <laughs> it's it's really easy. It's really uh, stable, or so it seems. Well, we'll see. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, it works for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so I think I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the the discussion that you have on there. That's uh, an, aside from the homepage. The first thing that you see is the merits of these works. Um, that. That seems like a really interesting argument that you make there. Um, if you could just kind of like uh, tell us a little bit about what you see as as the merit of Xenogears, like what makes it worth spending this much time, this much effort to um, preserve yeah. and study. Uh, well, that's the that's the question that I sort of pose and um, okay. try to analyze in that article. And uh, I'm not sure how successful I've been. Um, but basically, it's uh, you know there's a lot of themes uh, in the story that uh, doesn't get talked about uh, a lot. Right. And um, there's also this um, there's often a comparison with uh, with other uh, RPGs. You know, there's um, I felt that there was something very different with Sino Gears and also Sino Saga. Yeah. And I sort of felt that uh, I wanted I wanted to define, you know, what is it that makes these games so special, and what, why do I like them so much more than than other games uh -huh. uh, or other stories? And um, I'm I'm not sure I can recall at the moment everything that I that I attempted to cover in that uh, in that article. That's okay. But, I mean, yeah. it's a long article. It's very worth checking out. I would definitely commend it to people. Um, I recommend it to people to check out. Um, 
I mean, it's been a while since I thought about Xenogears. I, I should say that. I should men- mention that. So I, I'm a bit rusty at the moment. That's okay. Well, I mean, part of it, like you mentioned, there's this um, this feel or this mood that the game creates, which which is somehow different from what you might expect or might get with a lot of other games that it gets compared to for more superficial similarities. Um, I, I mean, I think that a big part of that is is the music, right? Is the the art style. Um, but part of it too, yeah, is the story. Like the, the themes of the story are pretty substantial. Um, they're obviously overlaid by some more... Uh, you know, cliche elements, let's say, like like the mechs, you know, that's something that you get in plenty of um, pop culture. But but at the same time, um, th- it's, a, it's a really interesting way of sort of telling these uh, mythological and even religious, uh, these older stories, you know, in this kind of new format. Um, I find it, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, like, I find it very interesting very profound um difficult maybe to to fully explain but but part of that i think comes through just with the um the attack on the ship like that we see like before anything else really happens in the game we see this um very intense you know cinema sequence um, (laughs) where where the ship itself uh seems to be like uh, destroying itself and quoting um, passages of the Bible at us <laughs> in, uh, yeah. in in its in its yeah know, I mean I mean the the opening cinematic is sort of this um, yeah. uh, allusion to the Garden of Eden yes it yeah. becomes this uh, myth of paradise in the actual game later right right. The, the the ship itself um, gets converted into uh, one of the later dungeons. Is that right? Am I remembering that? Yeah, correctly? exactly. Uh, and yeah. it's called Machanon or Machanon. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but it's basically the it's the fourth heaven uh-huh. in one of these um, biblical. Uh, well, I think it is one of those Enoch. Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, those uh, uh, not official uh, biblical stories, but one of these, um, what's it called? Uh, Apocrypha like, or whatever. Yes. I, I don't know. Yes. Apocryphal. Apocryphal texts. Yeah. And, so uh, basically, the, the Garden of Eden was said to be housed within the fourth heaven of Machanon uh-huh. or something like that. So there's that link there. And there's also these kind of uh, these cables so that come out of the hull of the ship. Yes. The, I think that's supposed to be, you know, uh, serpent imagery. Ah. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, that's uh, it could be taken as that. I didn't think of that. I, I like that a lot, though. Um, they sort of like slither almost like a snake. Yeah, yeah. Now that yeah. you say that, I can totally see that. Yeah. And and the monster, you know, this machine thing that's that's attacking is called Deus, right? The the Latin yeah. name of God. And it, originally, it was meant it was supposed to be called Yahweh. Oh my gosh, Yahweh was the original name. <laughs> yeah, and the, the strange the strange thing is that um, you know the 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 symbolism have all this kind of 
blend. It's like a blend of Yahweh mm -hmm. and of Eve with uh, Miang. Yes. And then um, these serpents is, uh, you know, uh, Satan imagery. And yeah. I think this is supposed to be, you know, uh, a reference to Gnostic Christianity with the Demiurge. Right. So you have, because you have this symbolism in, um, in Gnosticism with a kind of, uh, I think it is a lion with a, with the tail of a snake. Hmm. And uh, that, that uh, symbolizes the, the Demiurge. And we know that Miang has this snake gear. Yeah. Uh, late in the game, opiomorphos. Right. Um, and also in the last boss, uh, uh, is it okay with spoilers? Yes, of course. I think yeah. anyone still listening hopefully has played this game. Uh, yeah, watch out because we're going to tell you everything that we know or think about the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, spoilers are fine. Uh, and then there's uh, Ellie which is sort of the main body of Deus. Uh, yeah. They men mentioned this in the, in, the, in the game. Although, you know, perhaps it is better to say, to say that she is the main body of Miang or this, uh, I guess we could call it the consciousness of Deus. Hmm. She is sort of the control program. This uh, source book, Perfect Works, mentions that uh, once Deus has been resurrected, Miang uh, pilots the, the resurrected Deus. And uh -huh. also she or originates from this uh, kind of program. Uh, I think it was called Alpha One. And uh -huh. then you have o Omega, which is this kind of creature-like body. Uh, you also see that in the opening movie, there's this kind of creature with a tail and, and kind of wings on its back. Yeah. Yeah, it sort of flashes on the screen briefly. Yeah, I mean, this whole, uh, this whole concept of Deus is kind of um, both complicated and mysterious because there's, there's, there's a lot of questions, there's, there's not a lot... Not a lot of answers in the game right. as to what this thing is or how it was created and even why it was created. I mean, it was created for some kind of war, but and the and the book Perfect Works just adds to the mysteries. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it strikes me that uh, the creators of the game seem to have had a really ambitious story in mind when they started to work. Um, maybe so much so that it, it was impossible to actually, you know, complete uh, or, or completely put this story uh, into a, a single video game or even like even a whole series of video games, right? Like there's something um, that always seems to escape from our ability to um, pin it down. And, and it seems like that's part of what they are doing by... Um, calling you know this this creature Yahweh or Deus, um, it's something that's that's so big that it's it's completely um, yeah. I, I mean they, they they were they were going for God. I mean yeah. they were really going for a a a, a real sort of godlike being. Yeah. You know, we we have we have this um, second kind of God, which is the wave, the wave existence. Yes, at the very end. Is, uh, right. 
Yeah. You know, you could argue that that is the, the real God of this universe, but it doesn't actually belong to our universe. It, it comes from a, a higher dimension. Right. Uh, but there is, um, well, this is, uh, if, if one has played the Sinosaga games, they introduce more of these kind of supernatural um, forces. Huh. And I think that Sinogears, if you look closely, also has a lot of these kind of uh, r- real um, religious concepts. Uh, and even these occult, occult mm-hmm. concepts. Uh, there is this uh, key, the Goetia key. I, I'm not sure how you pronounce all these words. <laughs> you know, there's this key that they uh, use in the second uh, plot point in the game. Right. Um, when the humanity trans- transforms, when they mutate into parts for Deus, there's this yeah. big twist. Right. Uh, right before the end, and uh, this key, when it goes into uh, uh, operation, you see all these kind of occult uh, circle-like uh, symbols. Interesting. And you, you know how how does this thing really work? You know, uh, uh, are, are these some kind of frequencies like like magic that sort of uh, goes through the ether and uh, it causes humanity to transform. I mean, it it is almost like magic. Yeah, uh, and like uh, this is something we see, you know, very early on. Like characters have these these occult sort of abilities, right? Like it's called different yeah, the, things the for different chi, characters. The chi. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, a lot of this is uh, um, sort of explained with this uh, kind of super engine, the Sohar. Uh-huh. Which sort of, which, uh, sort of u- uses the energy from the higher dimension, which kind of makes gives it uh, infinite power. Right. And this power, I, I guess, when human beings um, they evolve and develop these abilities, it's a bit like the, in this novel that inspired Sinogir's uh, childhoods and. Right. You have uh, children, children uh, developing some some ability there. Uh, I can't uh, remember exactly what it was at the moment. I think I don't know if it was telepathy or. Yeah, well, that. they sort of they seem to be hearing voices. They seem to have um, the ability to move things with their mind. Right, the 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 baby um, like playing with her toy without actually touching it. Right, stuff like this. Yeah, I don't remember the book. It was wise since since I read the uh, childhoods and, but yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know if that, that that was inspired by by by, by that concept uh, exactly. But it, it's sort of similar. They they evolve and develop uh, new abilities. Right. But uh, but yeah, but, but yeah, but still there is some some kind of supernatural element in, involved still. Uh, for example, uh, the emperor. Cain, who, yes. who is who is immortal in the game. Well, actually, towards the end, he has sort of lost his ability to to live forever because there was some kind of uh, experiment. Uh, he offered his body to Krellian for um, to be able to use his the immortality of his body to help human human beings or something like that. This was mentioned um, 
in the book. I'm not sure if it's uh, stated in the game. Okay. But uh, but uh, you know originally he was immortal, and even in the game they need uh, Ramses to assassinate him in order to um, to to get rid of him because nobody can get rid of Cain except for a clone of Cain. Aha. And that was uh, Ramses. And um, but of course that begs the question: Why? why how can a being? That is the result of this kind of uh, intergalactic uh, weapon become immortal. Right. You know, you know what is this substance that uh, that people are built out of? You know, uh, that 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 came from this um, this weapon. You know, why would they have this kind of organic element within this? Uh, I mean, those who created the system. So there's a lot of this kind of unanswered question. And even in the book, they say that all this stuff is of an unknown origin. Uh-huh. And they speak of uh, over-technology. <laughs> and uh, I think that over-technology is reference to some kind of alien technology in one of these animes. I can't remember the exact title, but, uh, hmm. but uh, they did reuse a lot of these concepts in Sino Saga, but they refer to them as artifacts of God. And so, well, perhaps we shouldn't go into that, but uh, Sino Saga was meant to be a kind of reimagining, going back uh, to the to the first kind of uh, to to do it uh, chronologically over with the with the first episode, okay, instead of beginning at episode five. But of course, there were some changes, so mm-hmm. that uh, you cannot really connect the the two. Uh, works um, right. They don't the, perfectly in, fit together anymore. Nah, no, not in 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 the sense of of being a, a story or or the plot, but uh, thematically, they can actually be complement one another very 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 well. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I I would be I think interested after what you said uh, uh, to go back and look at Xenosaga more um, and see how it. Um, Kind of reinterprets some of these ideas, um, but I mean, just just for Xeno Gears to stick with that, um, the characters uh, Faye, Satan, um, then you meet uh, Ellie, right, and Bart. Shortly after that, they seem to really be the core, uh, the sort of the core of the game. Um, and uh, there's there's other characters that fit a lot less. Uh, snugly, let's say, like they don't fit as well. It seems like into the into the story. Um, I, I mean, I'm thinking of especially like the the Choo Choo character. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Even Rico. I mean, the, the first time I played through this game, I don't remember if there was quite a character like that in. Um, well, there was this uh, Kate Sith character in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. But uh, but you know the 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 closest analogy that I had for Choo Choo was something like the Ewok in Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. <for some> reason. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's there's these kind of random things, um, and and even like the way that the game starts out in Lahan, um, you do have a character from Chrono Trigger who is who is present in the village yeah. for for yeah. no apparent reason. She's just there uh, <laughs> to sort of be a joke almost. Um, it's very strange, like the way this game kind of 
got cobbled together. I, I feel like um, there, there's there's yeah, so there, there is a shift in tune uh, at times uh, where it almost feels like yeah, you can tell that it had uh, several different writers. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I think that uh, Takahashi, um, the creator, mm-hmm. he he mentioned something about making a compromise because he wanted to please. Uh, the, de- the developers who were more used to fantasy worlds. Okay. And so I think th- these things, when when those uh, ch- children, for example, uh, launch Biluskier, you know, with this, uh, uh, what's it called, a Sigsaw. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and they, you know, that that feels a bit, um, you know, Takahashi, at least when he back with Sino Gears and Sino Saga, had this very sort of dark. Mm-hmm. atmosphere uh, so whenever there is this kind of dark gloomy mood i think he even described himself as a gloom and doom person in yeah in, in one of these com- comments yeah i i mean i think that you get the feeling there is a, a kind of guiding um vision that that's behind everything um which is very my, my first impression. My, my first impression of the game. I remember that it, that it felt very dark, especially after um, this encounter with uh, Groth. Oh yeah. Um, and also then uh, there's this music. It's uh, Id's theme. Oh yes, yes, the demon uh, of Elru. It, it was playing pretty early on when uh, when they were on this. Um, Transport when Satan uh, uh, has this confirma- uh, conversation conversation with the emperor. Yes, yes, yeah. That's... I, I have a. Go ahead. I had a very. Uh, I, I remember that bit very very strongly from my first playthrough. It was one of these, those things that stood out because that was, that felt much darker than, for example, Final Fantasy or. Um, even Parasite Eve, which was a pretty dark game, you know, it was this horror game. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's something so um, unsettling about this character who's been your kind of guiding, you know, uh, he's a doctor, right? He's He's been looking after you and, and sort of guiding you, and he's been um, supporting you after everything terrible has happened and your life has been turned upside down. He's He's been there for you, but then you see him in this kind of strange vision a sequence talking to these um you know these these odd looking people in a in a place that's like some kind of nightmare landscape um with yeah. little scenes that, that float around right it's it's very very surreal actually yeah surreal um, and uh, and uh, almost abstract yeah yeah and and that there's this kind of feeling this ominous feeling that you can't trust anyone you know if you can't trust doc and then you can't trust anyone. So yeah, exactly. But I, I think I, I trusted him pretty well because I felt like, I mean, I didn't know who this emperor was, but uh, uh, but uh, you know, I, I you know, he had this kind of Obi Wan Kenobi quality <laughs> to him. You know, this the wise uh, uh, older guide. Right. But he, but he's uh, he's sort of he looks much younger than than what is typical of that archetype. Yeah, and so he's he's still the kind of original. He, there's there's still something uh, unique about him. You know, he's he's probably the, the most popular character. At least he used to be. You know, uh-huh. among yeah. the fans. 
Well, I mean, and then eventually he gets his sword back, and then it's like, like, yeah. oh, God, it's just broken. He's too powerful. <laughs> He's too good. Um, yeah, I always liked Faye and Ellie the best, I think. I-, I liked Bart, too. Like, I like the way that Faye's friendship with Bart develops in the game. But but the story between Faye and Ellie always felt the most interesting to me, I guess, Um and it's it's sort of mature in a different sense. It's like you know, th- there's this kind of love story, um, which is not usually that developed in these games. Um, but I, but I felt like it it really, uh, you know, in terms of its psychological uh, of symbols that they use. You mentioned the kind of the archetype of the wise old man. Well, here we have sort of the um, you know the self and uh the the other or even right the the mother figure in some of Faye's dream sort of visions um or or the the anima is talked about there there's this kind of whole union side of it that's brought in uh yeah and, and also lake and lacan and he also had this idea with the other and desire that had to do with this uh, right. Oedipus, oedipus complex Right, right. The the uh, I pronounce that Oedipus. Um, Oedipus. Not sure. It, uh, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, usually for, uh, from Freud, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not used to pronouncing. Uh, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, like um, it, so. There's a lot of this kind of yeah psychological material along with the religious material that's that's woven into this. Um, you know, ultimately like a very compelling and fun. Uh, game, I think it still like works as a game. Although at times it feels more like you're watching a movie or even reading a book uh, than playing. But but still, like there is there's something to that that combination um, of all these different elements that that for me it still works. Um, yeah, it, there, there's something about it that that's just crafted very well. Yeah, um, especially if you play the game again and yeah. you sort of see all this foreshadowing and all the build-up you know you can you can look at this music box in in Sitan's house yes it's almost it almost like it foreshadows the entire game I know yeah I I remember that very clearly and vividly when I first played the game before I knew what was going to happen I still found that scene really powerful but I agree that when you when you do have more of the whole story um sort of at least in some sense, in your mind, even if you don't understand everything about it, and then you go back and you you play it again, you know, you you definitely get a lot more out of the experience. Um, in that way, it's a lot like you know a great book or a great film. Um, yeah, exactly. You know that that was uh, how I felt. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first time around, like this is like like a good book or something. Yeah, which also adds to this feeling that it it is different from uh, typical Japanese um, entertainment. Yes, yeah, and so the um, so just to the music box element, um, I I don't remember now exactly what the full story of that that piece of um, machinery is, but but when it opens, it looks a lot like the layout of Shivat. The other floating city, right? The one, not the one Satan is from, but the other floating city um, in the game. Uh, is that is that where the music box comes from? Are you do you remember that part of it? Um, yeah, well, my, my first or my impression of that foreshadowing is more has more to do with uh, 
how this uh, the inside of this box looks like the Zohar. And then you had this uh, female angel in, in front of it. Yeah. That I, that I sort of associate with Ellie. Totally, yeah. That's an interesting... Yeah, because... But, the... but you, are, you are correct that um, this poem, you know, this uh, music box is the... Is based on in the in-game universe. It is based on a poem which was written, I think, after the war five five hundred years ago. And the statue is uh, also meant to be a um, a statue of Sophia. Okay. After she had uh, sacrificed herself, because that um, statue is on 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 Shevat. Right. Right, the, this huge yeah. uh, guardian angel <clears throat> statue, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because some people have speculated that this, this music box was made by Kim, and he was going to give it to Emeralda after she was going to be uh-huh. born. And uh, the reason why they believe this is because if you go back to Sitan's house, I think it is on this disc too, uh-huh. and you uh, check, the, check the, this music box again, it says uh, to celebrate uh, the birth of my daughter or something like that. Okay. But I think that that's meant to be uh, that that's Sitan's uh, own writing and that he is referring to his own daughter Midori. Oh. Because I, it seems kind of strange that that would come from uh, from um, from Sebuin. Yeah, right. The yeah, um, because, sort of uh, you know this this angel that is sort of attached to the music box comes from 500 years ago, so it's kind of um, it's too far back, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thinking about the the different ways to interpret that um, as a gift, either from uh, Faye, aka Kim, to his daughter, or from Satan to his daughter. There's a, I think, an interesting way that, um, you know, giving, giving of gifts plays in as a motif in lots of ways. Like even with Graf, in a strange way, he's always trying to give people, you know, the the to like release their full power, right? He's always trying to give, <laughs> give them opportunities to, um, to sort of realize that destructive potential. So it's like a weird negative form of a gift but it's still you know it's still within that that realm um i find that to be a really uh interesting element of this game um there's other other kinds of um gifts which are again sort of like negative like satan is always bringing this gear to Faye. he doesn't want the gear but he keeps having to use it right so so it's it's necessary he has to accept this uh it's it's like fate you know um but I but I think about that too in terms of you know the the creators they're they're a team right they're a husband and wife team and so the game in a way is is their gift it's like their uh, their child almost <laughs> it's like one way to think about it. Um, well, I haven't uh, thought about it that way, but uh, but um, perhaps you. Well, I, yeah, I see. I I would be really interested, I guess, to understand more about. Um, where the different writers sort of had um, their influence on the script, and um, like it seems like you know the 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 man in the um, bar who has the mermaid's tear, you know, he had to be put there um, by somebody who had the kind of the whole picture of the game in their mind. But um, but Luca, right, the 
the creator, you know, inventor girl from Chrono Trigger, she had to be put there by somebody who who didn't really uh, have that much concern for the whole picture. Or, or like you said, maybe it's kind of a compromise. Um, but it must have been such an interesting process, them, you know, writing the story um, sort of collaboratively in that way uh, and, and sort of, you know, weaving all of these these pieces of the story together. Uh, it's it's really remarkable um, that um, that that thing you mentioned about um, Emeralda uh, made me think of the guy, the drunk guy in the bar uh, <laughs> who gives you the mermaid's tear. Um, yeah, th- there's all these these all these little sort of hidden. Um, they don't make sense when you first come across them, right? But then uh, when you come back and play it again, you, you can sort of see how they work together. Um, I, so I, I wanted to ask too about um, just thinking about like influences and history and, and things like that. So you did mention um, Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke and um, uh, Star Wars has come up a few times in our conversation in different ways um, as, as two big influences so far. Obviously, there's all of this sort of mysticism and, and esoteric uh, religious material and all the psychological material. Um, are there other other big influences that we have left out so far that you can think of? Um, other important... Well, I don't know, but there's one thing that I always found a bit curious. Okay. I, I, I always wondered if, he, if uh, Takashi may, may have been influenced by some of these uh, fringe ideas about... Um, you know, uh, what's its name? Eric von Däniken, Chariots of the Gods. This idea that the a- aliens, uh, that uh, people in the past have been visited by aliens. Ah. Uh, because there is, um, if you look at the Eldridge, the ship in the beginning. Yes. Uh, I, I guess you don't see the whole ship in the game so well. But in the in the book, you, you can see that it sort of looks like one of the Nazca line Nazca line drawings. You know, these that some have speculated are you know made to signal to aliens. So in Peru, these lines you can only see from from the sky, right? If yeah. you're flying above. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Nazca and, lines. Yeah. And the, and there's one there's one that's called uh, the hummingbird that looks a lot like the the Eldridge. Ah, that's so cool. And also, there's a, there's also this one there's this one um, character, this one kid, I think it is in the in Billy's uh, orphanage that says something about uh, Henry Mingas, who got abduct, abducted by aliens or something like that. I also thought that that was a strange thing to just add into the into the game, you know. Yeah, I mean, it is. It seems like the kind of thing that would be. Uh, right, right up uh, Takahashi and and Sarai Saga's alley. You know that seems like the kind of thing they'd be interested in. Uh, and of course, inside the game, there is this sort of um, plot where uh, people on the surface are abducted by so- Solaris. Yes, right. Which is another movie uh, title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Solaris. yeah. That's right. Yeah, uh, and and of course, Soylent Green is is brought in in like a very obvious way they call it the soylent system right yeah (laughs) so yeah there's there's so many weird little weird little references um the uh but the i think the beginning of the game to go back to that again um that 
that script that runs across the screen um, at the very start of the sequence is the thing about Alpha and Omega. Um, we're never really told who is saying that, um, but it sounds like that's part of the kind of program for the Deus uh, system that, that sort of gets split into Miang and Ellie later well, on. Well, I always in interpreted uh, that line as coming from the wave existence. See, because that makes more sense to me. Yeah, yeah. The wave existence mentions that it is Alpha and Omega, I think. when ah, they, ah. I think so. I, I don't remember the script uh, at the moment, but... Uh, See, that, but that, 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 that first line is more like an epigraph. It's not really a quote in the game. It is right. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of stories open with uh, an epigraph. It, yeah, see, that works for me. Um, and that makes, that makes me think, um, you know, like you described then, the, uh, the actual takeover of the ship uh, is, is happening um, uh, in a kind of uh, fall from, from paradise, right, the fall of mankind sort of way, um, that they're, yeah. they're, they're being thrust out of, of contact with um, some kind of higher being or something like that. Um, and, and then you have, you have the, the mother as Eve uh, at the end, sort of staring at the ocean, like the, the first woman of this new world. Yeah. The, right. Or the lower world, uh, and, uh, the, sort of like the material world. Yes. Um, and, and so this, they're subject to a demiurge that's, that's not uh, the true right, uh, higher power, but, but something in between. Right. Um, yeah, that, so that makes me really wonder, I guess, about the, um, the uh, Alpha and Omega um, language that's used there. Uh, it's, it's almost like this game is um, interested in getting people who play it to go and, like, read <laughs> go, like actually go and study some of this material like look up you know what is the zohar okay i'm gonna actually like read about that but even like to read the bible um or to read um at least some kind of uh history of religion or, or philosophy or something like that um have you found like that people who use your site and and are are curious about this stuff does it seem like they really go and, and read more about this stuff? Do they tend to come at it from a either a religious standpoint or a philosophical standpoint? I'm not sure I've had that much contact with people who have read uh, the site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, there has been, um, there's been some who has been into uh, these sort of things, but I, I think a lot of people sort of just I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, I know I hardly ever hear from people who actually, um, you know, read stuff that I post online or anything like that. So I, I, I feel that. But I, but when I do, you know, people who do take the time to, to get in touch um, do seem to be really, you know, thoughtful and, and interested in, um, in learning more about video game uh, sources, you know, like the influences on these games. Um, I think I, just for me, it's like a very uh, interesting area that that's just starting to kind of open up is like T 
taking the game more seriously in that way and and studying it uh, within that that context of other um, you know books, films, etc. Um, but even like yeah, yeah. What, what's so fascinating uh, to me about uh, Takahashi is that he he does seem to have gone through all of these sometimes very obscure sources. Right. You know, I, I mean, I, I have tried reading this so hard. You know, I can't, ma- I can't make any sense of it. Wow. Yeah, I have never tried, so <laughs> I haven't got there yet. But, uh, I don't know. Like, I've tried reading uh, some. Uh, I read Childhood's End as a result of playing this game, and and enjoyed it. Um, it it made me want to read uh, Carl Jung, who I've I've never really tried reading before, which is. Yeah. I mean, really there there are there are there are a lot of influences that I too haven't. Uh, had time to check up on yet because there's just so much you know yeah it's it's like a complete um you know parallel education you know that uh that opens up when you start looking at this like it makes me think like to um to really study this stuff you would have to study a lot of other languages too right you'd have to learn uh at least japanese to to know the script you know for yourself and uh but that's it's so it's so difficult. So so it's good to have a community of people to to do this with. Um, and there is a lot of translation errors uh, already in the opening movie. There's this uh, line, um, "Damn!" So they're they're planning on attacking or something like that. Right. And it's not supposed to be they. It's supposed to be it or something like that because. Um, yeah. Uh, the translator for that part uh, had to do that blind. He had no idea what happened later in the in the series. There was there was another podcast with the translator R- Richard Honeywood. Yeah, where he talked about this. Right. Yeah. So that they, you know, you you hear one line out of context, you you can't even get the basic translation of it. Like that's that just shows I think how important context is in a in a very yeah. sort of abstract sense. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, to uh, to have you know other people to talk to about it with, and other people who know about uh, you know certain aspects of it, um, to sort of have this give and take, I think is really it's just a really cool thing. Like I, I don't know um, how how much uh, this game will continue to be played um, by by newcomers, you know, um, but I think having some of this resource uh this kind of resource out there for them is is really really uh beneficial um could really um be an interesting thing for people to uh to study and to to learn from so yeah there there isn't a lot of uh, website uh, devoted to the to these games uh, especially not seen or saga yeah that that uh, that series almost uh, it that went uh, into obscurity pretty fast uh. Yeah, well, I like I said, I, I'll have to keep going through Xenogears first, but then I will eventually get to um, Xenosaga um, and try that again. Um, and uh, again, thank you so much, uh, AC, for all your work on this and uh, for taking the time to talk to me a little bit here. Um, I would love to talk to you again as I get further into the game if you have some time. Yeah, I think, yeah. Excellent. We can, we can do that again. Uh, I think I have a lot more to say. Yes, by all means. Um, then I will. Uh, I'll let you go for now, and and we'll we'll continue the conversation another time.
Right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks.